What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron. And if any of you guys out there are 0-1 right now, feeling down bad, you know, down on your luck, feeling sorry for yourself, it's time to wake up, realize we got plenty of season left, and the grind starts now. We're setting waivers. We did that video yesterday. Now, how else can you make your team better outside of getting waivers? Making trades. So today we're going to talk through my five trade targets for week two we're going to go over some sells some buys but overall we're going to talk about sort of how we should be planning ahead to make sure our teams are in a better spot than they were yesterday i don't know why i put that so poetically but we're going to get straight into this make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like if you enjoy the video let's go now up top we're going to start off with some players that i would be buying after week one and the first guy on my list is kyle pitts because i think that the owner out there that spent a third or fourth round pick on an elite tight end and all they got was 3.9 points from kyle pitts and if that guy also lost their matchup they're going to be a little bit tilted. They're going to be like, you know what? Screw Kyle Pitts. I know that he wasn't supposed to be the next Kelsey, Mark Andrews, whatever. And I think that's the good spot to swoop in, try and take Kyle Pitts off of a desperate manager's hands when he's losing hope, because I think that he is a fine buy at this point. Now, when we dig a little bit deeper on Kyle Pitts, he should be fine as a locked in top three to five tight end rest of season. I haven't lost any hope on that. He just had a bad matchup last week against the Saints. I probably should have looked into it a little bit more i didn't really think that marshawn Lattimore would shadow kyle pitts and that almost is a testament to kyle pitts in how much not only his team treats him as a wide receiver but how much defenses treat him as a wide receiver where marshawn Lattimore covered kyle pitts or drake london all game long i believe he covered kyle pitts more than drake london i don't have per snap data but during the entire game marshawn Lattimore was either on drake london or kyle pitts regardless he ended up holding both guys under his supervision to two targets one catch and six yards now this isn't just something that happened this year kyle pitts also struggled against the saints and marshawn Lattimore last year where he had two for eight in one of those games and he had three for 62 it's a little bit better but not anything crazy still i think he just got lucky on a uh long completion let's not forget that marshawn Lattimore is a legit cornerback and if he's going to go up against kyle pitts it's going to be a rough day for him this is a guy in Lattimore who held Devonte adams to five catches for 55 yards last year Evans in two matchups to under three catches in both games. A.J. Brown only had one catch for 16 yards against the Saints. It's a tough matchup. You also had a game script where the Falcons didn't have to pass the ball a ton. They were up 26 to 10 at one point. So a lot of things went against Kyle Pitts. Now, when we look even a little bit deeper, the underlying usage was pretty much fine. He is one of five tight ends from the weekend that had a 20% or better target share. He tied for team high in targets with Drake London at, I believe, like seven or eight. He looked good. He was one of the main focal points of this offense. He also has that really juicy role that we want from him, where he's not operating as an inline tight end and blocking. He had an 11.9 average depth of target, which means he's getting targeted downfield almost as a wide receiver. He ran over 50% of his snaps from out wider in the slot. So he has this unicorn usage that we really want, where he's a pseudo wide receiver getting volume, but he's listed as tight end in your lineup and he's drawing live for that year two breakout we could get from a wide receiver. That's all in play here. I think we see some lighter matchups moving forward. London also looked good. Mariota looked good. I think that's all really good for this offense where some might say Drake London isn't going to take away from Kyle Pitts. 
I don't really think so. If we look at last year, Kyle Pitts actually averaged more points per game with Calvin Ridley early on than he did without him just because of how much resources a defense could provide to just stopping a tight end. If the whole defense is centered on Kyle Pitts, it's going to be a tough day. But having Drake London take some pressure off of him, having Cordero Patterson take some pressure off, along with Mariota looking obviously not like a world beater, but he looked competent out there against a really strong Saints defense. At this point, if you could go out there and bundle a week one overperformer like Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Cordero Patterson, maybe combine them with a Higby, Everett, Fryermuth, something like that. If it's Fryermuth, it may be a lower end running back, but something like that where you give a, I guess a tight end that had a good week last week, plus a running back who probably outperformed expectations, go out there get yourself a Kyle Pitts. Then our next buy is Brandon Ayuk. And I think we can comfortably sort of just throw out Sunday's game for the 49ers and the Bears. We talked about this on Monday, but the game was in a monsoon. They were rolling around and just mud the entire game. It was a grass field, soldier field. It's old. It's just poorly kept. It's ugly. And Brandon Ayuk, he had two catches for 40 yards, so it wasn't great. But this is, again, a guy with a 10-plus yard A dot. When he operates downfield, and we're in a rain game and there's wind and it's ugly conditions and you know Justin Fields is wearing like two gloves with the ball it's going to be hard to connect with a wide receiver past the first down marker but when we look at his usage there's definitely some positives to take away from this game for Brandon Ayuk he's no longer in the doghouse not that he was going to be in the doghouse but it's just good to see that he was on the field for 51 and 52 snaps and he led the team in routes run so he is the number one wide receiver on this team he is a future wide receiver he is out there in all situations and my biggest reason for optimism with Ayuk is I actually would give him a slight bump up after last week, despite having a poor game, because of the Elijah Mitchell injury. I think Elijah Mitchell's MCL injury that's going to keep him out for the next eight weeks isn't even so much a huge boost for the running backs on this team. I think what happens with the Elijah Mitchell injury is it doesn't change the identity of this team, but it changes Debo's role, where it goes from Elijah Mitchell in the backfield, Trey Lance in the backfield, and then Debo is like the main featured wide receiver and Ayuk as kind of the secondary wide receiver to Elijah Mitchell being gone. Debo's obviously the main playmaker. They want to get him touches, but he's not going to be their main receiver commanding like a 30% target share. He's going to get a lot of carries out of the backfield. We saw, I believe he had six carries after the Elijah Mitchell injury. I want to say he had eight total on the entire game so Debo's now going to transition into this running back type role along with getting receptions but what that does is it opens up Ayuk to be the futured x wide receiver in this offense and it shows when you look at the splits as well when you break up Ayuk's games last year with Elijah Mitchell in the 10 games with Elijah Mitchell he averaged 9.8 points per game in the six games without him he averaged 12.8 that's like a 30 percent increase from like a wide receiver three to a fringe wide receiver two I expect Ayuk to bounce back soon here he plays Seattle next week which is a secondary that just allowed Judy to run deep for a 67 yard reception it wouldn't shock me if we see Ayuk connect on a deep completion sometime this week and he sort of establishes himself as a high-end wide receiver three low-end wide receiver two especially as a beneficiary of this Mitchell injury. Then for our last buy recommendation, I have kind of a bundle of players. We had the same section of our week two trade targets last year by running backs who underperformed but had good usage. Everyone's going to be looking at DeAndre Swift and Saquon Barkley's 25 to 35 point games. And the guys who don't have them on their teams and they drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first round, they're going to be frustrated that their early round running back didn't smash. They're going to get desperate. They're going to maybe want to make a move. But I think the sharp play is to kind of identify who looked good on underlying usage, who didn't perform well, and is poised to bounce back. And the three names I like for week two are McCaffrey, Fournette, 
Dalvin Cook. These are guys that would be buying this week. All of them were used as bell cows in all situations. They were all involved in the passing game, running a route on 72% or more of pass plays. They all handled 77% or more of the snaps. Fournette technically didn't hit 77%, but he was at 91% before the fourth quarter became a blowout in that Cowboys-Bucks game. And then they also all handled 100% of the touches inside of the 10 outside of Dalvin Cook. He split it with Alexander Madison, but I do think given how much this team, this Vikings team is going to score, I don't think it's a huge deal. I don't think that they're going to favor Madison on the goal line, knowing what we know about Dalvin Cook. I think it's just a small sample. I think he should be fine, but all of them have good roles. They're featured in the passing game. They're on good offense. It's not Christian McCaffrey, but he makes up for it just from his sheer volume, but they're all in good roles. They're involved in the red zone. They're involved in the passing game. These are guys that I would be trying to pivot to if their owner is starting to freak out. Like if I could pivot off of an Antonio Gibson, a Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even if I could go from like, if I could do like Mixon for Fournette Plus or Mixon for Dalvin Cook straight up, I think I would be interested in that offer. Now, I also want to give an honorable mention. He didn't make our five trade targets, but I would also call Kadarius Tony a buy. He's not a must buy. Don't go out there and hound out Kadarius Tony. But if you can get him for almost cheap, and let's say you can sort of give away like a Curtis Samuel for Kadarius Tony, like just some hot waiver wire ad, I would right? He looked amazing in his two touches. He didn't get to play a ton. There's probably something going on in terms of disciplinary issues, but it's not a talent problem. So I think either he gets on the field or he gets traded at some point. I'm almost viewing Tony kind of like how we view like a Garrett Wilson or a Traylon Burks where can't start him for now, but super high upside for the midpoint halfway mark of the season. And our first sell candidate for today is Christian Kirk. And there's nothing especially fraudulent here. But when we look at Christian Kirk, I wouldn't bet on him to be a top 20 difference maker over a full season. He had a 28% target share. I just can't see him operating any more than like in that 23 to 25% range over a full season. And this is going to be a team that throws a lot, right? And the targets are going to be pretty concentrated between Ingram, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, probably Etienne in there as well. But I just think if you can pivot off of Christian Kirk from this Jaguars team, and pivot to a wide receiver two on a good offense like let's say mike williams for cheap jerry judy marquise brown maybe even you can get chris godwin in a plus on top i'd be interested in all of that again he's not a must sell but he is somebody that if i can sweeten the deal to get one of my buys i listed earlier i would use christian kirk to sort of cross that bridge then our last sell for today is Cordell patterson and his usage this week was really really weird he saw for the first time in his entire nfl career 22 carries it's only his third time ever that he had over 15 rush attempts i just can't believe that this was by design or this is something that arthur smith wants to do moving forward they came in on the first 10 snaps of the game damian williams had seven of those first 10 snaps out of the backfield he was going to be the featured runner on the day he gets hurt and the issue is for these nfl teams they could only have three running backs on their active game day rosters most of the time so the falcons had Damian Williams as their between-the-tackles rusher, Cordero Patterson as whatever you want to call him, wide back, running back, wide receiver, and then they had a special teams guy, uh, Avery Williams. So if Damian Williams goes down, they're now forced to future Cordero Patterson as this between-the-tackles bell cow with a special teamer to, you know, spell him. So that puts them in a spot where they had to feed Patterson, but I don't think that's something they want to do moving forward. So next week, we're either going to get a healthy Damian Williams. They said it's like two to four weeks, maybe like a rib injury or something with him. If he doesn't come back, whatever, he might be good to go for next week. But Tyler Algier will be active if Damian Williams isn't active, which should relegate Patterson from like 22 carries, which is insane, to more like his 
8 to 12, maybe in that 12 to 15 area. And he didn't do much in the receiving game either. He had three catches for 16 yards on five targets. So that definitely was because of how much he was used between the tackles. But this is going to be a guy who's going to split backfield touches with Algier or Damian Williams, whoever's healthy that week. And then he's going to be third in the receiving pecking order behind Drake London, behind Kyle Pitts. So that's not awful by any means. I think it'll be like a fringe RB2, fine RB3, four hero RB builds, but that's already what he was, right? So if people are valuing him as this like firm RB2 after having like 22 carries, bell cow on the Falcons, if you can sell that and flip him for an ETN, a Godwin, a Mooney plus maybe a Juju, anybody in that area, if you have the RB2 depth and you don't really need Cordell Patterson, I think it makes a ton of sense. I'll also say a sneaky pickup this week is going to be Tyler Algier. If Damian Williams doesn't play and Tyler Algier comes in here as pretty much the only between the tackles running back Cordell Patterson will have his carries but Tyler Algier will be in play for like 8 to 12 carries in week two which is pretty interesting now that's all I got for today five trade targets to go out there make moves in your leagues I hope all of you guys are 1-0 out there and if you're not that is my job to help you guys out make sure that we're all out here winning our leagues let me know how you guys feel about this format of the trade target video we're getting into the season i'm getting into the swing of things here trying to make sure that we are nice and tight five days a week of in-season content for you guys here now as always the in-season algorithm does your boy dirty any likes any subscribes any comments does me a ton of help so i appreciate all of that from you guys i think we got like over 100 comments on the not the waiver wire video but i believe it was the top 10 takeaways video so i appreciate all the love from you guys you guys are sort of helping me maintain momentum here as we get into the season so thank you guys so much for that and as always i will see you guys in the next one thirsty thirsty trying to choose i mean i know i'm critical my nitty bag my kitty boots i got the juice i got the